Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. Robert Frost is a Pulitzer Prize winning poet whose most famous poem probably is The Road Not Taken. Here's the last stanza of the poem, and you may be familiar with it. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. So those who interpret Frost's work see it as a poem about the journey of life. They think two roads that diverged in the yellow wood symbolize the many different decisions all have to make throughout a lifetime, decisions that shape the future. Perhaps the poem is about the most important decision in life, Highlighted in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, when the Lord Jesus Christ recommends this. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through the broad gate. But the way is, the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to the resurrection life, eternal life, and there are few who find it. God, God the Father's plan for creatures, lays out these two roads, the one with the narrow gate and the one with the broad gate. Then he makes it clear to everyone who comes to earth who the narrow gate is, and who the narrow gate is is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet an estimated 5 billion of the 7 billion people on the earth deliberately allow themselves to be blinded by the ruler of this world, Satan in such a way that they ignore God's urgings for them to enter through the narrow gate. Those who decide for the narrow gate choose a relationship with the Lord, God the Son, who took on the form of a human being as Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, to rescue all man from the penalty of sin. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8 describe what the Lord did to open the narrow gate. It recommends that you have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the exact essence of God the Father, did not regard equality with God the Father as a thing to be seized and held. Philippians 2.7 Instead, Jesus emptied himself, depriving himself of the rightful power and function of his deity taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. 
Philippians 2.8, being found in appearance as a man, he humiliated himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ is God, and he is the still point in our turning universe. He is the Savior of all creatures who choose him as the narrow gate. God the Holy Spirit is the navigator for those who choose the narrow gate and the narrow road. He convicts them with a ministry that lets everyone know the issues of salvation. Then he keeps on leading them into all the truth, and he keeps on perfecting them until the day of the return of Christ Jesus. Well, how can creatures learn about God and all he has provided? By studying the Word of God. The Bible, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and the marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It is a critic. At Barah Ministries, we teach the Word of God verse by verse from God's perspective, so you'll know exactly what God is thinking. And those on the broad road reject the Bible as the Word of God and claim that it's just a book like any other book. Well, it's not. The Bible is supernatural, protected, a work directly from the mind of the Lord to give us a homing device that leads us right to the narrow gate. What is a homing device? It's a device that gets a missile right to the target. Well, who persuades creatures to reject their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and ignore his word? It is Satan, the ruler of this world and the sponsor of the broad gate. Satan welcomes everyone to join him in the lake of fire. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so they reject the relationship with Christ. And he does it, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For all eternity, most creatures will regret the road not taken. And the road not taken is the narrow road that leads to eternal life. Today's Bible lesson, why do Christians keep on sinning after salvation? Why do Christians keep on sinning after salvation. Well, unbelievers love calling Christians hypocrites. They love taunting Christians. And they beg phony legalistic Christians to explain why, if Christians are so perfect, they keep on sinning after salvation. Well, in today's lesson, we'll identify the dead part of us that tempts us to sin. So let's begin with some music. God the Holy Spirit is deity, a separate, distinct, co-equal, co-infinite, co-eternal person of the Godhead. And from the very beginning, God the Holy Spirit has played an integral role in the plan of God. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 say this. In the beginning, God, that's a reference to the Lord, Jehovah Elohim, God the Son, created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1, 2. But the earth became formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Holy Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. When Satan's rebellion happened, God shut down planet earth, 
turned out the lights so that angels could not move freely throughout the universe and completely made the planet formless and void. He was pretty upset. And when he offered reconciliation to the angels, God the Holy Spirit moved over the surface of the waters to restore the planet. Well, let's hear Francesca Battistelli honor him in her song, Holy Spirit. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. Shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. 
Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, there's a part of us that is deeply interested in in obeying you, and there's a part of us that is not. Thank you for giving us, God, the Holy Spirit's power to resist the flaming missiles of the evil one. Teach us how to count on your power and not on our own power as we continue the journey of this life. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, why do Christians keep on sinning after salvation? Why do Christians keep on sinning after salvation? Well, it's an absolute brutal experience to listen to men and women wrestle with the deep and meaningful questions of this life. To hear them move from thought to thought, from person to person, from book to book, from movie to movie, from podcast to podcast, looking anywhere except the Bible for an explanation to the whys of this life. Inevitably, these men and women settle on the pseudo-serenity of thinking that people behave the way they do because they don't know any better. Perhaps they haven't been taught. They reason if they didn't, did know better, they would do things differently. They hope for the best from man, even though the majority of what they see points to mankind as desperately sick. And that from generation to generation to generation to generation, the older generation looks back at the, the younger generation and says, we're going to hell in a handbasket. I don't even know what a handbasket is. I definitely know what going to hell is. But we're just so critical of the previous generations when the truth of the matter is we were the same way as they are. Surely, karma, horoscopes, psychics, mediums, witches, or people with extrasensory perception can explain the complexity of this life journey, or maybe not. Yet, no matter how many human sources people consult, the result is always the same, more confusion. Well, the Apostle Paul wades through the confusion to find the answer, and the answer is Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says this, I, Paul, am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Isn't that always the way it is? We think that applies to everybody but us. My mind is never led away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Yeah, it's a bunch of crap. If you really sit down and evaluate your life, which most people don't, we don't have time to do that because the Cardinals are on today and because Sunday night football, Monday night football, and a restaurant and all the fun we're going to have today. And it's the weekend. Everybody's living for the weekend. We don't sit down and just really evaluate our lives and take a look at where we're going. So we don't have to look at whether or not Christ factors into our lives. We had 168 hours a week. We sleep 56 of it. We have 112 waking hours a week. How much of that time is spent with Christ? Now, if Christ is the most important person in the universe and his word is the most important thing in the universe, then why aren't you spending time on that every day? I'll tell you why. Because 
as the serpent deceived Eve with his craftiness, your minds are being led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That's why. It's being led to everything that is not Christ. Because that's Satan's kingdom. So, you know, I teach about false teachers and about false teaching. I taught it in Colossians, and now I'm teaching it in Galatians, and I get mocked. Oh, yeah, the false teachers and the false teaching. But do you make the connection? Do I have to make the connection for you? Do I have to tell you, okay, here's the false teacher in your life. You actually think that there's a person in your family who you don't have a relationship with, who can't stand you, and at a point, you're going to be able to turn that around. Yeah, that's exactly what you think. Why do you think that? Because false teachers, with their false teaching, are always telling you that. If I tell people about my relationship with my kids, oh, they'll come around. Oh, so everybody comes around, right? False teachers and false teaching make you think everybody comes around. Everybody doesn't come around. Everybody doesn't come around. Well, we want to think that. We want to think that fathers and daughters always get along. They don't. We want to think that mothers and daughters always get along. They don't. We want to think that kids are not disrespectful to their parents. Kids aren't disrespectful to their grandparents. We want to think wives don't, aren't against their husband. We want to think all that. Why? False teachers and false teaching. All right, so you hear the words, false teachers and false teaching, but do you make the application? Do you get it? I mean, my mom is one of 18 kids, and I, I like two people in my family. I've got hundreds of cousins, but they don't like me because I'm the dark one in the family, and they all look like they're white. They all look like they could pass for white, so when I'd come to their house, it blew their game because they were passing as white, and then who's that? who was that darkie at your house? Oh, that's my cousin. Oh, you're kidding. You have Negroes? <laughs> you have Negroes in your family? Yeah, I'm a Negro. False teachers and false teaching. Yeah, those are the general words. Well, false teachers with their false teaching are continuously bombarding your mind with lies, seeking to rob you believers in Christ of your serenity. Will you let them succeed? Of course you will. You send your kids to a school, and what is the school teaching your kids? The, the schools are teaching your kids to be workers who graduate from college with a degree that doesn't mean jack. It's something nice to put on a wall. Who will go get married, who will have 2.5 kids, who will live in the suburbs, in a home that they can't pay for, with a white picket fence, take on a 30-year mortgage, with the, which they will refinance five times in their lifetime, so that they never get out of debt. That's what schools are teaching your kids. And you don't even know it. People are walking into your children's bedroom through the internet, pederasts, walking into your children's school, and you don't even know it. And as a matter of fact, you're supporting it. Because every time I go through the airport, what do I see? I see a mom on her phone, a dad on her phone, and the kids with headphones on, playing games, 
on a device, and the parents have no idea what the kids are ingesting on that, that device. And kids are smart. Kids are not dumb. You go into the Apple store, you see a grandfather with his five-year-old, and the five-year-old's teaching the grandfather about technology. False teachers and false teaching. Oh, pastor, <laughs> false teachers and false teaching. Are you applying it, though? Does it make any sense to you that in your life that's what's happening? Oh, well, I'm different, pastor. How, how are you doing? I send my kids to the Christian school. Yeah, you're sending your kids to a Christian school that are teaching your kids legalism. They're not teaching your kids Christianity. They're not teaching your kids freedom. They're teaching them legalism, how to act superior to everybody else. Well, I don't swear. I don't drink. I don't rat my hair. Is that the essence of Christianity? The essence of Christianity is I am a great person if I don't swear. Bullshit. That is not the essence of Christianity. The essence of Christianity is that you have a relationship with Christ so that when you come to die, you will be absent from the body and face-to-face with the Lord. That's Christianity. How many people do you think are in the megachurches today who know that that's the essence of Christianity? I was at a football game the other day, and I was leaving early, and and one of the guards asked me, well, why are you leaving early? I said, I'm a pastor. i got to get up in the morning and teach. You're a pastor. I've heard you swear. You'll hear me again in a minute. Do you think that's what Christianity is all about? I teach the Word of God word for word, verse for verse, and what's the reaction to it? It's boring. How come we don't have more music? How come we don't have more announcements? How come we don't stand up and wave our arms above our head? How come we don't run around? How, do, how come we don't hold our Bible staring at it and speak in tongues? Because that's not Christianity, that's why. That's not the essence of what we do. Do you even know how to pray? That's the question. Do you let false teachers and their false teachings succeed? Well, Paul begs us not to let them succeed. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this. We, believers in Christ, are destroying speculations. What are speculations? I listened to a guy yesterday talk to me for about 10 minutes in a row without ceasing about all the speculations about what's going on in the world. Oh, well, you know, the stuff that's going on in Israel. I mean, I don't understand why all the people are trying to kill the Jews all the time. And why don't these people get along? Okay, it all started with Abraham. He sired a child by his maid, Hagar, and he sired a child by, that was given to him by God through Sarah, and they hate each other. The Jews and the Arabs, it all started then. Oh, well, you know, I don't think you can know how it all really started. Okay. Well, I just told you how it started. Now, you don't want to believe that because that came out of the Bible. So go listen to Dan Rather or Barbara Walters. She's dead. Whoever's on TV now, I don't even know. What is that? Katie Keurig. I don't know who's on TV anymore because I don't watch it. But go listen to them because they know. They're just part of a big establishment that is designed to propagandize you and to lie to you. And there are people who are just religious 
about watching TV programs and getting all of their knowledge and education from that. False teachers with false teaching. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. What's raised up against the knowledge of God? Everything in Satan's kingdom. And instead, we are taking every thought captive to obedience to Christ. Why? Because when Jesus Christ tells you, do this, it works. When Jesus Christ tells you, don't do this, what he's saying works. When people in the world tell you stuff, it may or may not work. And if it doesn't work, they're liars. It's false. Uh, I'm, I'm an Angolo and I lost 45 pounds. Yeah, you're one of about 5,000 people who went on Golo and lost 45 pounds. The rest of them paid a lot of money and didn't get jack. Oh, well, they just don't have discipline. No, the system doesn't work. How you made it work is a miracle. That's the problem. So we continue our study of the last half of Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. Let's remind ourselves of the passage. Galatians 5, 16. I, Paul, say to you Galatian believers in Christ, and to all you believers in Christ throughout the ages, walk by the power of God the Holy Spirit. And when you're doing that, you cannot, not no way, not know how, carry out the desires of the flesh. If you are listening to the Holy Spirit, you're not listening to the flesh. Galatians 5.17 For the flesh sets its desire against God, the Holy Spirit, completely antagonistic to God and, and everything about Him. And God, the Holy Spirit, sets His desire against the flesh. For these two are in opposition to one another. And this is why you believers in Christ may not do the things you please. What we want you to do, believers in Christ, is what God the Holy Spirit says. What we don't want you to do is what the flesh says. We don't want you listening to the flesh, but you do. Galatians 5.18 But if you are led by God the Holy Spirit, and all believers in Christ are, we're on God the Holy Spirit's team. He is indwelling us. You're not under the law. Because what is the function of law? It's to tell you that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. Well, believers in Christ are not sinners. We're saints, and we don't need a Savior because we already have one. Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.19 Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarned you, just as I, Paul, have always forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh Uh-oh, believers in Christ, you look at that list, And you think, God, I've done most of that stuff. Does that mean I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God? No, it doesn't. We're talking about a lifestyle there. That's the lifestyle of the unbeliever. But Christians keep doing these things too after salvation. Why? Galatians 5, 
22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace in yourselves, patience, kindness, goodness toward others, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in your relationship with God against such virtues. There is no law. There is the fruit of the flesh, the rotten fruit of the flesh, and there's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.24. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus, and that's all believers in Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, at the moment of your salvation, the flesh was dead. Yet it's a dead thing that keeps on talking to you, and unfortunately for you, you listen to it. I think recently in Mexico, they had the Day of the Dead. They pray for the dead. The dead are dead. The dead can't talk. They can't think. They have no hope of being saved. And if they weren't saved, they're dead. But that's not what people believe. And so if I believe it, it's got to be true. No, that's not exactly right. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, and all believers in Christ do, let us also walk by the Spirit. Walk in the power of God the Holy Spirit. Be the caboose. Let God the Holy Spirit be the locomotive. Galatians 5.26, let us not become boastful, challenging one another, and envying one another. Well, this passage divides neatly into four parts. Verses 16 to 18, verses 19 to 21, verses 22 and 23, verses 25, 24 to 26. And last week, we looked at the first part, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Remember this. I, Paul, say, walk by the power of God the Holy Spirit, and you believers in Christ will not, no way, not know how, indulge in the lusts of the flesh. Galatians 5, 17, For the flesh sets its desire against God the Holy Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit sets his desire against the flesh, for these two are in opposition to one another. And this is why you believers in Christ may not do the things you please. Do you notice that, believers in Christ? Do you notice that there's a conflict inside of you? Do you notice that you're always being pulled in two directions? You're being pulled in the direction of goodness, and you're being pulled in the direction of lousiness? My mom used to say, I'm looking in your eyes, and I see a devil in one eye, and I see God in the other eye. She was pretty wise. Now, my mom didn't study the Bible, but she knew what she was talking about because that's the conflict inside a Christian. I was a Christian since I was eight years old. And so, yeah, there was a conflict inside of me, and I didn't understand it. There's a part of you that's always talking to you and is tempting you to sin. And, you know, I'll be sitting around and, you know, I can tell you this because you're not going to say it, but I, I can tell you this. I'll be sitting around and I'll be thinking about someone or something that happened to me in the past and I'll just mutter, I hate them. That was awful. I wish I had been smarter about that because I would have done this. Who's sponsoring that? That's the flesh sponsoring it always reminding me of all the things that I've done that were stupid in my life. Always reminding me that I'm not all that. And I, I, you know, I embrace it. I embrace it. You come in my office, I got the two divorce decrees, the first page of my two divorce decrees framed with a purple heart. 
I embrace it. I got Galatians 6, 3 on my desk. If a man thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. I embrace it that I'm nothing. What's the song we play between the first part of the lesson and the second part of the lesson just before the offering? Nobody. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. I don't ever think that I'm something when I'm nothing. I know that everything I have, everything I am, is because of Christ. Do you? Do you know that? Do you understand the depth of what Christ has done for you? Galatians 5.18. But if you believers in Christ are led by God the Holy Spirit, and of course you are, you are not no way, not no how under the Mosaic law. That's what we studied last week. This is the Christian dilemma. The flesh going up against the spirit. The flesh is in no way as powerful as the spirit. The flesh in no way could ever defeat the spirit. But the flesh is too stupid to realize how powerless it is to the spirit. And it keeps on talking because it's counting on you. It's counting on you to listen to it. And we do. You know, women are are prime candidates for this. Right? Because every time you go in the mirror, the mirror tells you you're ugly and the flesh says you're ugly. Go buy some product. And that's why Ulta is in business. <laughs> that's why Ulta is in business. Because women are always being told how ugly they are. They aren't. They don't need makeup. Okay, so you got a couple blemishes. Who doesn't? You got a couple wrinkles. Who doesn't? But the flesh wears women out and tells you, you ain't nothing. You're awful. Your clothes, your hair. Damn, what? You know, I, I, have, I am stupid because I should have been in a, in a business that sells to women. Because you can make bank. All you got to do is say new or on sale and you got to make bank. Amen? Now, ain't no amen coming from here. There are women in this congregation. Ain't no amens coming from here. But that's the flesh. The flesh wants women to think they're worthless, they're lesser, if submitting isn't powerful, you're being put down. It's not that way. And especially not in the Christian way of life. That's not what Galatians 3.28 says. In God, there's no Jew or Greek, no slave or free, no male or female. There's no gender distinction, no social distinction, no racial distinction. But that's not how it is in Satan's kingdom. And guys, I mean, I even want to start on men. Men are so weak now. You know, when I go over to Mayo Clinic for my health stuff, you got these women pushing these guys around in wheelchairs. The women are manicured, pedicured, dressed, hair done. And the guys are walking in there with Costco cargo shorts from 15 years ago that have never been ironed, socks with sandals, slumped over, hunched over. And when they were younger, they were too macho to go get things checked out. You know, I had, uh, my heart was in atrial fibrillation 100% of the time. I understand what that is. That's a stroke waiting to happen. Oh, well, that's okay, Rory. We'll give you a blood thinner. It'll reduce your chances of stroke 66%. Okay, great. But don't cut yourself. Okay, great. But 33% is still high. There's a one-third chance you can have a stroke. And I know what happens when you have a stroke is my mom had a stroke. You can't talk. You are thinking stuff. You can't get it to your mouth. 
one side of your body is paralyzed, you're doing rehab all the time, and it isn't doing any good because your body's paralyzed. I don't want that. So what did I do? I went and got a heart procedure to get my heart back in sinus rhythm this year. And the, the guys that I was telling, telling about that and telling them about AFib and stuff like that, yeah, I have an irregular heartbeat. No, you don't. You have AFib. Get it handled while you're young. Don't wait. Oh, well, my mom said I should go to Japan and have it done. I don't care where you get it done. Get it done. But that's not men. We're macho. And that's why women are pushing us around in wheelchairs when we're 65 years old. It's crazy. And we're totally content with it. So the Christian dilemma is this struggle that's going on internally between the flesh and the spirit. Will you allow yourself to run on the power of the flesh? Or will you get your power from God the Holy Spirit? If you're a believer in Christ and you're letting the flesh control you, you're listening to a foreign agent who does not have your best interest in mind. Will you, Christian, see yourself as the caboose of the train? A caboose can't go anywhere without the engine. And see God the Holy Spirit as the locomotive? Or will you see yourself as a railroad hand car and work to power your own spiritual life? That's what most believers in Christ doing, are doing. They're working to power their own spiritual life. And what happens? It always gets derailed. There are so many problems in this life for which human beings allegedly have no answers. Why do we have wars? Why do we go to war with each other? Why are there so many single mothers? I, I, I am mind-boggled by how many single mothers there are. And when I look at a single mother, here's what I see. I see a woman who wanted to have sex, who had sex, who allowed that sex to be unprotected sex, and had a baby. Women, are you so stupid that you don't realize that the guy is going to leave and you're going to be stuck with the 21-year care package? Are you too stupid to realize that? Aren't there enough single mothers in the world to teach you that that's exactly what's going to happen? But you think it's not going to happen to you? You think when a man has sex with you, he loves you? You're a notch on the belt. That's not love. That's sex. It's physical. That's not intimacy. You don't realize it? And then what happens? You're stuck with a baby. The baby looks exactly like the asshole who impregnated you, and he's not going to support the kid. No child support. And then you'll do it twice. There's a football player who's really famous. He's got 10 kids by five different women. What's up with him? Didn't he realize after the first one that that was a stupid play? but he kept doing it, and not one kid with each woman, but two kids with each woman. He doesn't realize that that's stupid. False teachers and false teaching. False teachers and false teaching is way deeper than those words, because what is the false, who is the false teacher at, and what false teaching were presented to that football player that let him think that that was a smart idea? It's not a smart idea. But where is he getting his power from? His penis. It's not powerful. 
It's just stupid. And what does that cost him? $20 million. But no big deal, he's making $200 million. I mean, that's a rounding error on a spreadsheet to him. But that's not the point. The point is, how do you father 10 different kids by five different women? Answer, you don't. These guys are allowed to impregnate women and to have no responsibility to raise the kids that they sired. Why do we go to war with each other? Why are there so many single mothers? Why do men shirk their responsibilities to the children they have sired? That was my dad. Got my mom pregnant, found out 30 days later, and left. He had seven different kids by four or five different women. Didn't father any of them, didn't child support any of them. What a man. Why do we choose to pollute our lungs with cigarette smoke, knowing full well the out, what the outcome will be? And not only that, knowing from looking at documentaries on TV that if tobacco wasn't bad enough, they're putting agents in it to addict you to it. Why do we ingest drugs even while seeing people dying every day from drug overdoses? Drug dealers are lacing drugs with fentanyl and killing their customers. Why do we abuse alcohol to the point, to the point of becoming incoherent so that we poison our bodies and then we get in cars and drive? Why do we mistreat each other? Relationships. There are transactions and there are relationships. Most of the people in this world are transactional and transactional people will never know how to have a relationship because they're not interested in a relationship. What they're interested in is taking their green Starbucks straw, sticking it in you, and sucking like hell, and as long as something valuable is coming through the straw to them, they'll keep the straw on you, and when you cut it off, they'll go find somebody else. I can't tell you how many transactional people I've had in my life. The questions go on and on. Of course, we prefer to act as if there are no answers. The truth, we choose to succumb to false teachers and false teaching. We choose to ignore the truth that is right in front of our faces. We seek human answers to our problems instead of trusting God's power for the solutions. Uh, let me give you an example. All right, so you're talking to somebody, and you're talking to them and making sense over and over and over again, and they never do what you're saying. After you've done that 25 times, do you get it that they're not listening to you? Do you get it that it's a complete waste of your time talking to people who aren't listening to you? Because for me, when I realize that a person's not listening to me, I just start messing with them. I just start taunting them. And that's my sons. They don't listen to me. No matter how good a father I was, they weren't listening to me. They were listening to their mom. And what was she doing? Kids need to be kids. Just relax. Your father's mean. Your father does not have your best interest in mind. And she wasn't offering them a single thing. Nothing. But a cup of hot chocolate and some bread to dip in it. And where are they now? They're with their mom. I got to admit, I'm a mama's boy. Bullshit. <laughs> 
They have nothing like their mom and them except all the bad stuff. So what do I think about that? Fine, you made your choice. You made your choice. Live with it. We ignore the truth that's right in front of our faces. We seek human answers to our problems instead of trusting God's power for the solution. I gave my sons over to God. I can't handle them, you handle them. Boy, that's, that's bad news for them. We learn over and over again that we are too weak to devise solutions to our own problems. But we know that God keeps on working all things together for good for those who love him. You find out you got cancer. What's your human solution to cancer? You don't have one. Now, the medical community say, oh, I'll give you chemotherapy. Yeah, that's great. Chemotherapy will kill cancer. It will kill everything else in your body at the same time. Yep. All the money that we've given for cancer research, and they don't have a cure yet? <laughs> Why? Because chemotherapy is about an $80 billion business. You think they're going to abort that business? They're never going to abort that business. Do you think they care about you? You think the medical community cares about you? I have uh, an adrenal gland that overproduces adrenaline, which gives me what they call systolic high blood pressure. You know what the answer is? We'll go in and radiate your adrenal glands, and then if both of them are doing the same thing, then we'll leave them there, or if one's doing more than the other, we'll take it out. Okay, great. What's the implication of you taking out my adrenal gland? <laughs> I don't know what the implication is, but I know it's probably that I would not be as excited in this lesson as, if, as I am with both of my adrenal glands. They're not taking my adrenal glands out. They're not, but that's their answer to everything. You can do nothing. You can go on a really high sodium diet and we can confirm our diagnosis or we can take your adrenal gland out. Thanks, not helpful. Every other commercial on television is telling us about a new disease that we potentially have and the new drug that's going to help and that we will give you the drug for free. It's the cocaine thing. We'll give you a few pinches of cocaine until you get addicted and then you can buy it. It's amazing. And we are suckers for it. False teachers with their false teaching. But when you're seeing the commercial for the fat woman, overweight woman, who's taking Sky Rizzy, and she's dancing, and she's got a dress on, <laughs> you know, that, we're happy about that? And then, listen to the list of side effects, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, in, in certain cases, death. Oh, we ignore all that. You got a skin disease? We'll get rid of it. Now, one of your arms may fall off if you do it. We're constantly being bombarded. False teachers and false teaching. <laughs> Pastor, so funny you've been teaching so long about false teachers and false teaching. Yeah, isn't it? Go to the club. You go get a personal trainer who is charging you $5,000 a year to get you in shape. You'd go to him in January and December, you're in no different shape. But they got the money. 
And then 15 years from now, the chiropractor takes an x-ray and says, man, your hips have been degenerating for years. Did you know? No. Well, why, why were they degenerating? Because somebody had you doing exercises that were not supportive of your hips. Oh, well, that's okay because I can just get a hip replacement. I won't be able to go through the airport without getting wanded, but that's okay. Yeah. False teachers and false teaching. What a joke. Part two of the passage in Galatians chapter 5 are verses 19 to 21. What comes from inside a man's heart without the influence of God the Holy Spirit? Here it is, Galatians 5.19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, and sensuality. Galatians 5.20. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. Galatians 5.21, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things as a lifestyle, which is a reference to unbelievers, will not, no way, not know how, inherit the kingdom of God. At the moment of salvation, believers in Christ become a completely new creation in Christ. Every believer is placed into union with Christ through the baptism of God the Holy Spirit. Believers in Christ are saved. God makes believers in Christ into saints. The old man's self, when we were unbelievers, the flesh, dies at the moment of salvation. It is crucified with Christ, according to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in dwelling me. Unfortunately, although it's part of God's perfect plan for us, the flesh keeps on talking to us after salvation, and it keeps on tempting us after salvation. It keeps on encouraging us after salvation to rebel against everything related to God. And you know what? We do. Christians willingly comply. Oh, that's got to be fun. Instead of letting God the Holy Spirit produce the fruit of the Spirit in us, we eat the rotten fruit of the flesh. And that whole list between Galatians 5.19 and Galatians 5.21 is the rotten fruit of the flesh. And I defy you to tell me that you haven't done something on that list. I defy you to tell me that you aren't doing some of that stuff on that list to this very day. Watchman Nee was a church leader and Christian teacher who worked in China during the 20th century. He was falsely imprisoned for believing in Christ because he lived in an atheist nation, China, an avowed atheist nation, and a nation who does not believe in Christ or God. And he wrote penetrating biblical studies from prison. And one of his best is entitled The Flesh and Salvation. Here's an excerpt from his work. He says, The purpose of God is never to reform the flesh, but to destroy it. Because the flesh is grossly deceitful, 
The believer in Christ requires the benefits of the cross and the power of God the Holy Spirit to overcome it. The flesh cannot be tamed. Let me repeat, repeat that. The flesh cannot be tamed. You are not powerful enough to tame the flesh. You're not powerful enough to shut it up. Once having discerned how the flesh stands before God, the believer in Christ must experience each moment the deeper work of the cross through the power of God the Holy Spirit. By walking in the power of God the Holy Spirit, the Christian will not follow the flesh into sin, nor will the Christian follow the flesh into self-righteousness. And those are the two options, lasciviousness and legalism. You can go on a bender, or you can pretend like you're better than everybody else. Amen? So why do Christians sin after salvation? They listen to and acquiesce to the promptings of the flesh. They want to conquer the flesh in human power with discipline, rules, and religious rituals. Yet these methods deceive Christians into thinking that they're making progress on their own in the Christian way of living. In truth, they are voluntarily becoming phonies and they invite others around them to become phonies as well so they can feel superior to others. This is what false teachers do with false teaching. They encourage you to abandon the power of the spiritual life. Are you a victim? How many Christians have forfeited their genuine spiritual lives in favor of a counterfeit? The mantra of phony Christians is, I'm not that kind of person. Have you ever said that? I'm not that kind of person. You're lying. There is nothing that you won't do as a Christian. You, you will do anything. You think I can't kill somebody? I could kill somebody in a heartbeat and sleep a, like a baby at night. You threaten me? You're
pick one, two. Five, four, three, two, one. Check one, two, one, two. Five, four, three, two, one. Check, check. Good morning. All righty. We are back. Good. Sorry we're having mic trouble. We'll pick up where we left off. So this is what false teachers do with false teaching. They encourage you to abandon the power of the spiritual life. Are you a victim? How many Christians have forfeited their genuine spiritual lives in favor of a counterfeit? Because the mantra of phony Christians is, I'm not that kind of person. Have you ever said that? You're lying. You are exactly that kind of person. As we'll see in Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, if a man thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Well, when we return from the break, we'll take the offering and we'll continue our verse-by-verse study of Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 22. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. Told I belong at the end of the line with all the other not quite, with all the never get it right. But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you read. For the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus well, Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight You picked 12 outsiders Nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose so when I hear that devil start talking to me, saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm just a nobody, trying to tell everybody, all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing, I'm living for the world. For the world 
Just a man.
Today's Bible lesson, why do Christians keep on sinning after salvation? Why do Christians keep on sinning after salvation? Well, did Jesus ever think about money? Rarely. What the Lord did think about was giving. As you think about giving today and every day, let your attitude reflect the Lord's giving attitude as communicated in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, which says this, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Since you benefit from the Lord's thoughts in these biblical lessons, it just makes sense to contribute to the workers who communicate his thoughts. Give generously, just as the Lord gives. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Check one, check one. Good morning. morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon because at Barah Ministries, we give it to God. We don't follow the crowd. Clearly, there's only four people here. (laughs) There's more online, though. There's a whole bunch online, I like to think. Thousands all across the world, all around the world. But honestly, we give it to God on a daily basis for everything. You know, in college, I would pray before a test, but only before a test. You know, and then I would sin all the rest of the day and rebound. You know, and since we've since we've discovered the problems with rebound, that I, I don't I don't I don't do that anymore. I don't think about my sins. I pray. I'm in my priesthood now, and I think about my ambassadorship. But each day, you know, I pray before I go to work, just to you know work. You, sometimes you can get just barreled, you know, barrel rolled with all the stuff going on, and you think about stuff at home that you can't work on. And so when you're at work, it's just easier to pray. And then I'm receptive, and I see God's mercy in the day. I see his grace throughout the day, rather than focusing on my own problems. You know, and then you think about relationship troubles. That's another thing that we can't control, and you can get barrel-rolled in relationships. It can be tough, but you can't change people's minds. You can only change what you do. So that's another example of you have to give it to God. You can't worry about those relationship issues, whether it's friends you don't see anymore, or sons, or, you know, or family members that you just don't agree with, or... Husbands and wives having issues, you know, it's all over the place. But you can't change those things that other people have to give it to God. And the most extreme example would be health issues. You know, that's the biggest thing you can't do. You can't change cancer. I can't help. I can't do anything, but I can pray. And I know God can. And so, in the same way with this church, we know God can make it happen and God can make it, you know, make it come to fruition. And so we see in Psalm chapter 55, verse 22, Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. So we might get a little wobbly, but we're not shaking. And, you know, instead of following the crowd and giving your, giving your money to Apple, like a new iPhone, you spend $1,200 on, and what do you get? Nothing. Two years later, it's out of date, and you're spending another $1,200. You give it to God, and it's eternal security for someone. This is a relationship with Christ. This is something that really matters. So help this ministry and help God by giving giving of your time and give it to God. This is your chance. So hit it, Denise.
back. Today's Bible lesson, Why Do Christians Keep On Sinning After Salvation? Why do Christians keep on sinning after salvation? Let's investigate the rotten fruit of the flesh. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, it says this, Now the deeds of the flesh, the rotten fruit production of the flesh, are evident, which are immorality, impurity, and sensuality. Galatians 5.20, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, and factions. Galatians 5.21, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I, Paul, forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you in the past. Those who practice such things as a lifestyle, which is a reference to unbelievers, will not no way, not know how, inherit the kingdom of God. The things Satan, the world, and the flesh esteem, the Lord finds detestable. The list you just heard is not comprehensive. Things are missing from the list, like murder and robbery. First, it highlights the sexual sins, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. The Greek word pornea, which originally referred to the use of the services of a prostitute, is sexual immorality. Mankind is constantly being led by Satan and his emissaries into a host of things in which to indulge. The flesh has an uncanny ability to pervert everything the Lord creates, including the sexual relationship between a married man and a married woman. Pornography, fornication, which is premarital sex, adultery, homosexuality, gender transition, bestiality, sex with animals, pederasty, which is child molestation. In the ancient world, it was men taking sexual advantage of boys, but now it has expanded to parents taking sexual advantage of children and relatives. One in three women have been molested by a family member by the age of 18, many times with the full knowledge of one or both parents, globally. One in three women will experience some sort of sexual violence in their lifetime. Impurity, that's defiling your spirit with something. It's talking dirty. Debauchery, a reckless pursuit of pleasure. Orgies, gangbanging, that's many men having sex with a woman simultaneously. Rape, incest, sexual contact with family members. Prostitution which is absolutely rampant worldwide. Women doing sexual favors for money. The religious sins, idolatry, sorcery, witchcraft, horoscopes, things like that are going on right under your own nose in your own neighborhood. There's a group called the East Valley Arizona Pagan and Witches Meetup Group. Here's how it describes itself. Meet your local coven of witches, Wiccans, pagans, sorcerers, and other practitioners of the craft. Make magical friends and see your spells and wishes come true. The Sacred Spiral Pagan Church of Arizona sponsors this group. At the meetups, donations are appreciated. Okay, well, damn. No wonder we have a challenging time getting people to come to Brown Ministries. We've got competition. These guys are advertising on the internet for people to come, and we aren't. By the way, I'm an Aries. (laughs) Wiccans is a counterfeit way to get power and wisdom that bypasses God. 
So not so oddly enough, Wicca has no central authority figure. They adhere to ritual practices. They are duotheistic. They worship both gods and goddesses through chants and incantations. One of these days, I'm going to go over and, uh, and see what's going on with that group, that East Valley group. Just be fun to go over there and see. But I guarantee you this. What you'll find there is a bunch of women who are absolutely gorgeous. That's what you'll find there. And then you won't want to leave if you're a man. What is idolatry? It's bowing down to thousands of gods. For those of us who have spent extensive time in Asia in our profession, the pervasiveness of this paganism is just mind-blowing. In, in Thailand, you can go see the lying Buddha. And it's about a 12-foot gold statue of Buddha lying down. And you have to take your shoes off. You have to get out on your knees and pray when you're there. I did all of that, but I got down and prayed to Jesus Christ that he would open the eyes of these people and lead them to salvation. Just for the record, all religions engage in idolatry, most of them worshiping a counterfeit Jesus. Idolatry involves letting things other than God the Holy Spirit control us. Paul teaches about those things in other places in the Bible, including Romans chapter 1, verses 20 to 25. He says this, Since the creation of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ's invisible attributes, his eternal power and his deity, have been clearly seen by all mankind. Oh, but what if they didn't know? They knew. But what if they didn't know? They knew, clearly seen by all mankind, being understood through everything that has been made in the entire created universe. If you look at the Grand Canyon and you don't know there's a God, you're blind. If you see a sunrise and you don't know there's a God, you're blind. If you see a sunset and you don't know there's a God, you're blind. If you see the moon and you don't know there's a God, you're blind. How does this all happen? Who created this? How is it that stars don't collide with each other? God is in control of the universe. Romans 1.20, the second half. So that all mankind, especially those who practice ungodliness and unrighteousness as a lifestyle, as unbelievers, are without excuse in the matter of knowing God. If you can know God through nature, if you can know God because he is sending his gospel message worldwide, if you can know God because God is always making himself visible to human beings in ways that make sense to human beings, then all creatures are without excuse. Romans 1.21 For even though those practicing ungodliness and unrighteousness as a lifestyle knew God, they knew him, they didn't honor him as God or give him thanks. Instead, they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Romans 1.22 Professing to be sophos, wise, they became fools, moros. That's where we get the word sophomore from in high school. Sophomores are wise fools. They think they know everything, but they don't. Romans 1.23 and these unbelievers exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, 
in the form of birds, in the form of four-footed animals, and in the form of crawling creatures. Mankind is willing to worship everything. In India, they worship cows. You see cows walking all through the street. They're vegetarians. They don't eat beef. That's one of the things I'm going to do. I'm going to move to India one day and eat all of their cows. Amen? Romans 1.24. Therefore, God the Father gave those practicing ungodliness and unrighteousness as a lifestyle over to the lusts of their heart. That's the worst thing that God can do for you or to you, is turn you over to yourself, to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, making their sins clearly visible. I crack up when I see men who are homosexual covering their mouth with both hands, which is something women do. If you give women a ring, they cover their mouth with both hands. (gasps) Oh, my God. (sighs) And I see men who are homosexuals imitating that. I see them talking funny. Oh, oh, well... This is what Romans one twenty four is talking about. That their impurity is reflected in their persons. Their sins are clearly visible. Romans one twenty five For those practicing ungodliness and unrighteousness as a lifestyle exchange the truth about God for a lie. They believed false teachers and false teaching. And they worshiped and served the creature, Satan, rather than serving the creator who created the creature, the one who is blessed forever. Amen. Many people think psychics and palm readers are harmless. And before they know it, they're being guided by these charlatans. The Greek word for witchcraft is pharmakia, which should give you pause when you're taking medication, because pharmaceuticals comes from pharmakia, which was originally thought of as a form of witchcraft. We are all familiar with the other sins, enmities, which is active opposition and hostility. Got any family members? You know what enmities are. Strife, active antagonism and strong or bitter disagreement. Got any family members? Are you married? You know what strife is. Jealousy, wanting to take what another person has. The worst thing happens, though, when you get it. Envy, wanting what the other person has. And the worst thing happens when you get it. Think about the lottery. People are poor. They win the lottery, and three years later, they're in worse financial shape than they were before they won the lottery because they have no idea mentally how to handle money, which was why they were poor in the first place. Outbursts of anger, fits of rage, temper tantrums. Are there any people in the house who drive? Because that's what road rage is. Outbursts of anger, fits of rage, temper tantrums. Never been worse to drive in my lifetime. People have no sense of what it really means to drive safely, and they will cut you off, cut in front of you, go across four lanes of traffic to make an exit when there's no way they should be able to do that. It's crazy. Disputes, competitive disagreements. Debates, one side making the other side wrong, a competition. Dissensions, disagreements that lead to prolonged discord. Factions, have you ever noticed how every religion always splits because there's no built-in unity? Hatred, 
discord, the outright rejection of another person. Well, believers who want to have relationships with unbelievers experience these things quite a bit. That's why God recommends in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14, do not be bound together with unbelievers. In other words, don't marry an unbeliever if you're a believer in Christ. Why? What partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? None. What fellowship has light with darkness? None. Don't marry an unbeliever. Yet believers always do, and they think they can convert the unbelievers once they're in a relationship with them. And it always happens the other way around. The believer's spiritual life is completely derailed. They fall from grace. As believers in Christ, we can readily admit that one or all these sins are a regular part of our lives. I don't believe you heard me, so I'm going to tell you again. As believers in Christ, we can readily admit that one or all of these sins are a regular part of our lives. We eat the rotten fruit. We produce the rotten fruit. We can also readily acknowledge that despite our best efforts, we haven't been able to rid ourselves of these maladies. But if we have faith in a faithful God, we know that in God's power, anything is possible. Let your fruit be produced by God the Holy Spirit. Avoid the rotten fruit of the flesh like the plague. Don't listen to the dead things like the flesh. Listening to the flesh never works out for your benefit. And if you ever want a place to go that will remind you not to do this, it's Romans 7, chapter 15, uh, Romans chapter 7, verses 15 to 25. Well, the closing moment of our lesson today may be the 10 most important minutes of your life. We want you to know that God wants you. And what does God want from you? God wants you to make the most important decision of your life. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by. Where you spend eternity matters to God because you matter to God. He wants you to be saved. John chapter 4 verses 13 and 14 say this, the Lord Jesus Christ is talking to a woman at a well a Samaritan woman whom the Jews wanted nothing to do with. And after a brief introduction, the Lord says to the woman, Everyone who drinks of the water in this well will thirst again. John 4.14 But whoever drinks of the water that I, the Lord Jesus Christ, will give him, the water of the word, the gospel message, shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to the resurrection life. It's the Lord's will for you to live with him in heaven forever when you close your eyes in this life. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say this, This is what is good and acceptable in the sight of the God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who wants all men to be saved and who wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. Unfortunately, most people think loyalty to a religion is the way to be saved. Is religion the truth? Billions of people in this world think so, believing religion and its rituals are the ticket to eternal life. They embrace religious beliefs that tell them how to live, but the religions never tell them how to have a genuine and personal relationship with the Lord. Religions propose that if you don't do everything their God expects, he will be disappointed. 
And regardless of your best efforts to follow religious rituals, which you can't and don't do, even if you do them all, the religion does not guarantee you will get to heaven. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, a relationship that is guaranteed to save you. Getting to heaven when you close your eyes in this life is as simple as a nine-word conversation with God, like the one in Luke chapter 23, verses 42 and 43. And a thief being crucified next to Jesus was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Luke 23:43, and Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Yes, a nine-word conversation with God can get you to heaven. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Or if you prefer economy, a five-word conversation with the God the Father. Father, I believe in Christ. Or as a man said to Jesus when he was on the earth, I believe, help my unbelief. Believe. Said 98 times in the Gospel of John about the deity of Christ. Simply take God's word for what it takes to be saved. That's what it means to believe. And that is the moment of eternal life for you. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved by God, you and everyone in your household who also believes. Well, who is this God that saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. It says, I, Paul, deliver to you believers in Christ as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God. There was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. Now, if you reject a relationship with Jesus Christ, then he will honor your rejection. Matthew chapter 13, verses 49 and 50 say this, So it will be at the end of the age. The elect angels will come forth and take out the wicked, which is a description of unbelievers, from among the righteous, the believers in Christ, Matthew 13, 50, and will throw the wicked into the furnace of fire, the lake of fire. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. On the other hand, once the Lord saves you, no matter how hard you try, you cannot lose your salvation. John chapter 10, verse 28 says, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, give eternal life to believers in Christ, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Anyone who says to you that you can lose your salvation is lying to you. So follow the advice of John chapter 3, verse 36, which says this, He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. It's not religion that gets you to heaven. It's relationship with the one and only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have that conversation with God the Father right now. Father, I believe in Christ, and you will be saved. Well, let's close with some music. When we keep on sinning after salvation... It's pretty easy to feel worthless, as if we are a disappointment to God. When our lives are filled with pain and disappointment, it's easy to wonder if God has forgotten us. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, though, says he hasn't. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you, believers in Christ. He'll be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. 
So do not fear or be dismayed. You are always on the Lord's mind. He has you personally in mind by name. Here's June Murphy to remind us in song what Jesus has done for us. With her song, Come See a Man.
Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, thank you for guiding us, leading us away from things that are harmful to things that are good for us, giving us the good sense to prefer your plan for our lives over Satan's plan for our lives. Give us the spiritual strength to recognize the difference. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Discussing the lesson and the prayer circle right after this. Join us live or on Zoom immediately following the lesson. Keep on studying the Word of God. If you've got biblical questions, ask the pastor. Pastor at BarahMinistries.com. Keep on studying the Word. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.